Welcome to the Weekend Booktopian our podcast where a few Booktopians get together to chat book news then um, and examine the books that we are reading and enjoying. I'm Nick Wasiliev and I am joined uh, over the airwaves by Lara Somerville, PA to the CEO. Hello, Lara. Hi, Nick. Um, Arthur Malkin, our affiliate marketing manager. Hello, Arthur. Hey, Nick. And Samantha Joyce, our head of campaigns. Hi, Sam. Hi, Nick. Um, so first of all, before we dive into the crazy world of books and book news and book fight and everything, uh, we've been continuing this, this latest, uh, like mm-hmm. over the last couple of episodes, uh, yeah. talking about what, what things are bringing us joy at the moment. And I know that in week, whatever week we are in the lockdown, there've been a lot of things that have been bringing us joy over this, this period of time. Um, uh, and I'm going to throw to you, Arthur, first. Um, what are the things that have been bringing you joy over the last few weeks? Thanks, Nick. Well, what's been bringing me joy lately is um, reliving my youth in the 90s. And what I've been doing there in that regard is I've been um, revisiting, as as most people from the 90s would remember, some high-profile um, true crime murders in particular. Uh, I've been catching up on some miniseries, uh, uh, the O.J. Simpson uh, one that, that's on Netflix. Like if, if anyone who grew up during that time remembers that that was a big thing on the news constantly, it was one of the, um, and another one, the Menendez murders. Uh, there was a, <laughs> there was a mini series um, as well on that one that had Edie Falcott. Re- really great stuff. We just, we just really had the best murder cases in the nineties. I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> and just, then, just and prime then, time. It was yeah. just fantastic. It was just a really good time to, to appreciate that sort of, I think it was just the first, I think it was the first decade where we really um, put those on display. It just seems like the norm now. I mean, how many crime channels do we have now? There's like on Foxtel, there's like investigation, discovery, all these, but back then that was like a rarity to have those kind of court cases and, um, you know, stuff being put on display the way they were. And uh, I also was watching the OJ Made in America special on, um, on Disney mm. Plus, uh, that, as well gives you a really good um, behind the scenes insight into that whole thing. It's just really, um, really entertaining to revisit that surprisingly. <laughs> it's, it is, it is amazing how much crime is, can be such an engaging thing. Like you go down the deepest, darkest nooks and crannies of, of real life crime. And it's like, this is so fascinating. I'm loving this. Yes. <laughs> And it's so funny how it's like simultaneously mortifying, like you're horrified and you're like, this is so horrible and you feel so compassionate for the victim and their families. But then at the same time, sometimes you're like, I mean, why would you do that if you were the murderer? Like that was dumb. Yes. So it's like, like you all, it's like watching the Olympics, like all of a sudden you're a specialist on something you've got no idea about. I know, right? Yeah, it is. It's not, especially with the O.J. Simpson thing. Like, I, I just look at it. I'm like, ah, oh, what were they thinking? What was he? What was the whole thing? The whole thing with the gloves. Yes. Like, it's, it's, it's the whole hindsight thing is really funny. How you could just sit back and go, ah, oh, that's a dumb move. Why would you let him try on the glove? What were you thinking? Yes. <laughs> why, why, why put the racist cop on the stand? How could you do that? What were you thinking? <laughs> Oh, so good. I love that you've gone down a, a rabbit hole of, of, of real of real true crime, Arthur. It's uh <laughs> makes my it make, it suddenly makes me feel like, oh maybe 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 getting into focaccia bread is you know, I could be I could be doing other things. My goodness. Um, <laughs> 
Uh, Sam, what have you been? Uh, what has what has been bringing you joy over the last few weeks? Um. Well, I could talk about something that brought me joy recently. Um, we decided to go for a walk to to Newtown. Um, there's a hair salon there. Um, and the owner mixed up some hair dye for me uh, in that particular blend. I had a socially distanced consultation. We took that home and my very, very generous, amazing flatmate dyed my hair for me. Um, basically, it wasn't a new colour, just, just touching up my roots and, you know, obviously bringing back what was left to the colour it should be. Not the real colour that my <laughs> hair is, but the colour it should be. Um, and then... Uh, I also had some clippers and so she she uh, tied it up the back for me, cut my hair, just trimmed the back um, and got rid of my baby mullet, which was growing out. And I think that, was, that brought me joy because um, I didn't realise until this extended lockdown. Last lockdown, I'd had haircut, I had a haircut just before we went into that brief lockdown. This time, you know, it's, it's been like months and I was supposed to have a haircut right when we started. And so having a home haircut, just brought me a lot of joy. I looked in the mirror and I could recognize myself again and I just felt <laughs> much, much better. Um, so I think, you know, the, the, the generosity and kindness of, uh, of, the, of my flatmate, the one person who I see at all <laughs> at the moment is great. So yeah, I, I, those, I, those moments of kindness, I think. I worry, I, I often have worried about what, how many people will have to have like resorted to learning how to cut their own hair. So how many like haircuts everyone will, will have i had to i had to get a haircut yeah. myself and i felt like I, I trimmed my fringe a little bit too much so i was terrified that i was growing a mullet as well but i am so glad that you had a hair that you've had a haircut that was <laughs> like oh thank god i look normal again thank god <laughs> well I, I think for me that's my self-care i know yeah. i actually really enjoy going to get my hair cut because it's me time it's relaxing get a bit of a head massage i get to see like i'm you know my hairdresser and we're friends and it's great but um so you know, that's what we could do is it was fun to kind of get out and, and walk to, within our five kilometers and um you know and also have a bit of a lockdown activity like okay let's <laughs> let's try it let's see if we can dye our own hair fun that gives me that gives me another idea god dang it <laughs> dye my own hair like a strange tartan <laughs> color because who, who else is going to see it um and lastly, Lara, what's been bringing you joy these last few weeks? Um, spring. I'm really enjoying the warmer <laughs> weather and the smells of the flowers and all those sorts of things. Actually, this whole what's bringing me joy section, I'm going to sound like an 80-year-old woman. <laughs> um, sorry. <laughs> so spring when I'm on my walks <laughs> and my cat, my, my very cute cat who's a recent addition to my household, um, doubling our population. Uh, he's been lovely. He's good fun. Um, he's nice for a little cuddle in the evening. So he brings me lots of joy. And I've become an old cat woman in the span of this lockdown. <laughs> Own it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not ashamed. <laughs> It's always not like it's always nice when you have a cat. Does the cat come and give you cuddles like when you're at work and like you're yes. a tough day? And you go, oh, that'll be the he's, best. He's sitting right next to me on the chair right now, um, and he comes and goes and he as he pleases. But when I sit down to watch TV at the end of the day, he comes and sits on my lap and he sleeps on the bed next to me. And he wakes me up in the morning. He makes all these like little chirpy sounds. So he comes in and gets me up in the morning and 
it's nice to have a little a little roommate something else with a heartbeat in here <laughs> oh shucks i'm so jealous we i desperately would love love to have some sort of cat or dog um in our house but um, not yet so i am green with envy um <laughs> So let's dive into the into the book side of things uh, with this podcast. And uh, of course, as always, we'll be diving off by kicking into the world of, of book news and then we'll be discussing the books that we've been reading and then be sure to stick around to the end when my guests will go head to head in a battle for book supremacy that we like to call book fight. Um, and for our book news section, first of all, we have a lot of stuff to talk about. There's been a lot of awards uh, announced over the last couple of weeks. And first of all, I'm going to ch- uh, turn to the Banjo Prize. So HarperCollins Australia has announced the shortlist for the 2021 Banjo Prize, which is for an unpublished work of commercial fiction. Lara, I'm going to throw to you for this one. What can you tell us about it? Yeah, so um, as you just said, Nick, it's a HarperCollins Prize. Um, they introduced it in 2018 and basically it's the HarperCollins search to find Australia's next great storyteller in honour of Banjo Patterson, who's my main man. Um, absolutely love him. So I love the idea of this um, competition and this prize, looking for young and upcoming authors who can turn a word and um, or turn a phrase and uh, produce some new stories. So this year's shortlist has, was announced yesterday um, and the shortlisted manuscripts are My Father the Whale by Gina Perry, The Wishbone Observer by Kathy Sharp, The Whispering by Veronica Lando and The Terms of Inheritance by Michelle Upton. So that is uh, being announced on the 28th of September. So in a few more weeks, we'll have an update of the Banjo Prize winner. How exciting! We might we'll have the chance to to potentially be introduced to a new uh, to a new writing talent with this prize. Yes, which is, which absolutely. Is so much, yeah, it, it's it's so much fun. Oh, can't wait! Keeping it. Keeping and I love, um, yeah, right. And I love that it's uh, exclusively local. I love that they're you know young Australian storytellers because it's a big world out there and um, lots of opportunities for upcoming writers. But it's nice to see some support for our budding writers here at home. Mm, Agreed, agreed. Um, And staying on the topic of uh, emerging or exciting new and upcoming writers, we also have the Rischel Prize. Uh, So the Hachette Australia and the Emerging Writers Festival uh, have announced the long list for the 2021 Rischel Prize for emerging writers. Um, Arthur, I'm gonna throw to this one, uh, throw to you for this one. Uh, What can you tell us about this prize? Yeah, this is a really great prize. Um, so, yeah, they've just announced the, the long-listed writers. Um, 16 were chosen out of over 850 entries, which is just phenomenal to think, that, you know, having to go through that many and just narrow it down. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to do that personally. But, uh, yeah, so the winner um, receives, a ten, you know, $10,000 and along with a 12-month mentorship um, from Hachette's, um, from Hachette. So then what they do there is the winner then gets to develop their manuscript. So one of the past winners, um, Ruth McIver actually just had her, um, who won for one of her entries has actually had that, um, developed into a novel, which was just released last week, if I'm not mistaken, um, I shot the devil. So it's really fantastic to see, um, you know, where you can go with that. So, 
really looking forward to see how how that one plays out and um, what becomes of those. Yeah, it, it really gives you a sense as to how much budding talent there actually is in Australia, that this had to be picked out from 856 bloody applicants, which is Amazing. insane. And yeah. uh, the and the, the, it's now narrowed down to, I think, was it 16 you mentioned? Yeah, um, and it's 16, and then it'll be narrowed down um, further, I believe. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how much for the shortlist, but um, the shortlist will be announced in October, so we'll know. Uh, and I think the winner then in November, so we'll know very soon. Again, they have the enviable task of narrowing it down further. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do not envy those. I do not envy those <laughs> judges at all. Um, discovering and having a look at all of those upcoming new manuscripts. Um, thank you. Thank you very much, Arthur. Sounds fantastic. Um, and then lastly, we've had a short list. We've had a long list, but we have a winner as well. The Women's Prize for Fiction has has just been announced only a couple of hours ago. Sam, I'm going to throw to you for this one. Who is the winner of the Women's Prize for Fiction for 2021? Oh, I'm so excited about this because um, I'm a huge fan. Uh, the Women's Prize for Fiction has been awarded to Susanna Clark for Piranesi. Uh, I know her, first of all, as the author of Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell, which was also adapted into a truly fantastic series as well. Uh, Piranesi was praised by the judges for being a truly original, unexpected flight of fancy, which melds genres and challenges preconceptions about what books should be. And that's really true. It is really interesting and really unique um, and very well deserved. Susanna Clarke is a truly incredible writer. Uh, and she, she wins um, £30,000 for the award. She described it as an incredible honour and I think what a lot of people don't know, you know, because it's been so long since her previous book, Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell, is that she actually has a, um, a chronic illness. Um, so that's why I'm so sort of pleased, not only that this period essay, you know, when it came out, I was really excited because it had been so long, but I think it's a real testament to her and I'm really happy for her that she's, she's received the recognition um, with this award. Um, you know, so she said that, it was, Piranesi was written, you know, during a period of long illness and it's the book that she never thought she would write. Uh, so, yeah, really, really good news for her and, mm. and you know, very, very well deserved. It's so wonderful to, to, to hear about a book that would have probably been a real anchor for her during a particularly tough period of her life, be so embraced by mm. people internationally and embraced in mm. such a way that that the judges of the women's prize for fiction which is a huge prize um have responded to it in a similarly positive way yeah. it's so wonderful um yeah to to see that has any has anyone else read uh read this book no, no i haven't oh, that... sorry guys <laughs> <laughs> it does sound awesome though and i have heard good things so um, I'll definitely put it on my TBR list. I, I know that uh, Olivia was singing its praises hugely uh, when it came out. It, she was a she's been, was a massive fan of this book, um, and so for all our listeners, be sure to go and check that out. We will be linked into our into the book section of this podcast. Um, congratulations uh, to Santa Clara Piranesi for winning the Women's Prize for Fiction. 
Um, and for our final section on the news, uh, I'm going to touch on what's happening next Tuesday, 14th of September, which is Australian Reading Hour. So for those of you who are, who are not familiar, Australian Reading Hour um, celebrates stories that matter and explores the role of storytelling and transforming lives in, sh in terms of shaping our sense of identity, belonging and understanding as a nation. <clears throat> Excuse me. It has since become an annual program uh, featuring events for with Australian authors, writers, poets, uh, and illustrators in libraries, schools, bookshops, everywhere. It's a it's a very major part of uh, of kind of encouraging you know people to enjoy and embrace the world of reading. Um, Booktopia will be showing support uh, for this event across our socials uh, on Monday and Tuesday next week. Um, so this Tuesday, the 14th of September, um, be sure to take some time to take part in this wonderful day, um, which is Australian Reading Hour on the Tuesday, the 14th of September. So that will bring us to the end of the news segment for this week. And we are now going to talk about the books that we have been enjoying. My TBR pile is going to be expanded once again. It's one of the, the toughest parts of doing, of hosting this show because uh, you get so many great books thrown at you. And I'm going to throw to Sam first. We'll be, uh, we'll be our first one. Sam, what have you been enjoying um, over the last couple of weeks on the book front? So I've got two books to talk about, one that I have just finished and one that I've just started. So the book that I just finished was one that I read for my friend's book club. We've got a, we just decided in lockdown, we're going to have a book club. Uh, so once a month we get together and the book that was chosen was chosen by a friend of mine because it was a Reese Witherspoon book club pick. Um, it's Seven Days in June, which came out in June <laughs> earlier this year. Um, and it's been super, super popular. So I was really interested to, to read it and also to hear everyone's reactions to it. Um, so I read that, so that was last month, I read that in August. And um, yeah, it was, a, it was a really good book because I hadn't been able to really get into a book for a little while. Um, but because it's a, it's, a, it's a romance novel, it's a true romance novel. So it was really light and funny um, and entertaining, but because I, I I'm a romance reader. I um I knew all the beats, so I knew I was comforted by the fact that I was like, uh, this is a familiar feeling for me. The journey that we're going through, but it's also about how how it's going to happen in, in its own unique way. Um, and yeah, I thought it was I thought it was really interesting because the the main characters are writer, or both main characters are writers, I should say, and they they sort of operate within the the New York publishing scene. Um, it's definitely a um. I'm sure it's an idealized version of that, you know, with all the parties that they go to. Um, but uh, it was it was a really really good read, really entertaining, and um, it, it definitely got me out of a bit of a, a reading slump. And I think that's the biggest praise you can probably ever give a book. Um, but it it was really also great because I got a chance to say to my friends something that's really important to me, which is um, don't ever say a book is trashy. You know, even when it's when it's, you know, something that you're reading yourself and you're saying in a positive way, like a ha-ha, oh, I don't care that it's, you know, trashy, I love a trashy read, don't say it. Um, and it's a, bit of my, it's a bit of a philosophy of mine because um, you don't hear, uh, you don't hear uh, media that's not written by women or for women um, called trashy. You don't hear, you know, guys saying, oh, I love a trashy action-adventure novel. You don't hear that. Um, and it's, it's the patriarchy is using the word trashy and it's using the phrase guilty pleasure to devalue 
um, the things that women enjoy and the things that are about women and things that value women and the women and the female gaze. Um, you hear it in pop music, in what teen girls like. You hear it in the romance industry. Um, and I put a stop to it, you know. You are, you are not trashy and the things you read are not trashy. And I want you to know that, Nick. <laughs> oh, shucks. I th- and I think, it's, I think that's, it makes it even more appropriate to have been selected as a Reese Witherspoon book title because she's all about yeah. pushing fantastic women's literature um, with, this, with this book club. And how, how wonderful that yeah. this book has been selected as one of those books. Absolutely. And it's, it's a really well-written, entertaining book and it deals with really interesting topics within that, you know, um, just because it's romance doesn't mean it's not going to cover important topics. The thing about that people I think don't understand about genre readers is that just like literary fiction, we expect to, the books to cover certain important topics. We just don't expect it to get away in the, sto- in the way of the story, right? So it covers things like chronic illness, um, childhood trauma, um, uh, racism, all of that um, and more um, wrapped up in a, in a really lovely, um, beautiful love story as well. So I was really glad that we all got to read and experience that together. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. <laughs> so good. I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll start it this afternoon. <laughs> yeah. It's fun. It really, it like moves quickly. It really takes you on a, a lovely ride and a, and a ride that, it, you know, I think makes you feel happy at the end. And I think that's what we all need, you know? Yeah, um, absolutely. And because I, and because sort of this book kind of pushed me back into the, the mental space of being able to pick up a book and read, um, I started this book that I bought a little while ago and it's been sitting on my shelf and I was really excited to get it. Um, It was pitched to me on Twitter, which is where I get a lot of my book recommendations for some reason. And um, it was pitched as a Machiavellian fantasy where the main characters trade um, wits and barbs over dead bodies. Um, It's a a fantasy um, set in in a a fantasy world where uh, when the ruler dies, they have to choose a new ruler from various nobles um kind of like the city the city states of you know um historical italy uh which is i think where the machiavellian part comes through the main character is a scholar um and the story starts with essentially a murder mystery so it's got it's ticking all the boxes for me you know fantasy murder mystery all of that and i just i'm only a chapter or so in and i just love the writing um it's sets up the story so well it's beautiful and engaging and lyrical but it's not stuffed it's not dense um which some fantasy can be um and it's tone it's it's like it's really big so there's a lot to have lot to go on it's a gorgeous hardback uh and i'm very really really excited to see where it goes it's called the counselor by ej beaton wow and, uh, if you're into fantasy this is one not to miss I will say there's been so many great fantasy books over the last couple of, that have come out over the last couple of months. And um, I know that this one has, has turned a couple of heads. So um, fantastic. I'm so glad to hear that. It's great. I'm so glad to hear that. It's a, it's, 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 it's fueling your, your, your enjoyment of books once again. Um, Thank you so much, Sam. Fantastic recommendations.
Um, I'm now going to throw to Arthur. Um, it, well, I know, Arthur, you've been on a bit of a, an autobiography and a nonfiction kick lately, similar to me um, as well. Uh, what have you been enjoying over the last couple of weeks? Has that continued? Nick, I, mean, I think I'm about to shock you and tell you that my selections are not biographies or nonfiction. This is, this is, yes, yes. You heard it here first, everyone. Sacrilege. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Part two. Uh, I mean, what's funny though, is tying back to, um, you know, how we opened the podcast with, we were talking about what brought us around. I was talking about the, you know, the, the true crimes and the docuseries and stuff. So what I've actually read, um, uh, two, two fiction that, uh, what the first one's called green light by Benjamin Stevenson. Um, and that sort of ties into that sort of a theme. So basically, uh, the book is about, uh, uh, it focuses on a, a victim, a murder victim called Eliza Dacey. Uh, so there's a docuseries being, you know, being done about her murder and about the killer. So the, the producer of the show's a man named Jack Quick, and he's the one who's produced the documentary and the documentary has proven really it's a rating smash. It's really brought to light that there was a lot of missteps in the case and it's even managed to get a retrial for the, for the kit, for the man who was um, convicted of the, of the crime. What's funny is as he gets to the last episode, Jack comes across uh, a piece of evidence that then, that then makes him question whether or not he was potentially the killer because everything up until then had pointed that the, you know, there was um, bungles in the case. Then, then he finds this right just before the last episode. So the timing of it sort of makes him a bit suspicious. So he just, you know, he, he ignores it and doesn't bring it up and then lets the, the final episode go to air, um, you know, with the presumption that the, the presumed killer Curtis Wade is innocent. And that the, the entirety of the docuseries actually helps lead to, the case being thrown out in a retrial. Now here's where the story gets interesting. Once Curtis is out, someone tied to the case ends up dead. So now Jack is thinking, holy crap, did I just let the real killer out after all? So the, the point of this, the book is for Jack to then go into the town and then investigate to get to the bottom of it, to find out whether Curtis really is the killer or if he is being framed because Curtis throughout the whole thing maintained that he was innocent. So the timing of everything is very suspect and suspicious and it, you have to figure out whether or not he is the real killer or if it is someone else out there that's manipulating everything. Uh, this is one of those books that even towards the end, I thought I knew where it was going and completely, completely threw me out of where, with the way it ended. One, really amazing. I rank this really high like with the dry. That's how good it is in terms of uh, Aussie crime fiction. Those are the best books. The yeah. when, when I don't think this gets enough love, to be honest. I think because this came out around the same time as Scrublands, which itself is a really good book. But I think um, everyone, I was really focused on Scrublands at the time, but this one didn't get the attention and love it deserved. And I think it really should have. It's an amazing book. I love it. It's always, a, it's a, I'm loving that you're, you're still on a, on a, it, it's your, your love and obsession for crime has bled into the, into what you're actually reading. This is fantastic. It sounds is, amazing. Yeah. Just started. So I've just also started. There's a sequel now that came out 
last year. So it's called Either Side of Midnight. Um, so the sequel, I can't, I don't want to give too much, uh, go into it too much because um, a little bit of it follows on from the, you know, the way Greenlight ended. But um, the sequel, from what I've read so far, is really just as gripping as well. So this one's about um, a TV presenter named Sam Midford who um, has a really popular uh, nightly show and he um, he's on air and everyone thinks he's about to propose to his girlfriend. But uh, what he actually does is he, um, he, 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 shoot, he shoots himself. He commits suicide live on air, which is really shocking to everyone. Um, so, but Sam, Sam's brother um, comes, uh, you know, seeks out Jack Quick because he wants him to investigate what happened because he doesn't believe, he believes it was murder, which, you know, everyone was like, well, um, you know, unfortunately, he could, but he, he's convinced that his brother wouldn't do that, that he was, that he was murdered, that maybe someone put him up to it or, um, you know, something of that nature. So still haven't finished that one, but um, yeah, I, I think that we're, we're in for a really great twist with this one as well. Oh, amazing. God, jeez, getting chills. Like, like, I always <laughs> have a little bit of a worry or a fear about stuff happening live on air because there's so many, so many things that can go wrong. And if things take a turn, it's just, eek. oh, God. Yeah. It's a, how amazing. I love the sound of this. Um, amazing recommendations, Arthur. Jeez, you're going down some, some crimey paths. Uh, <laughs> this, uh, these last couple of months, how amazing. I love it. Um, thank yeah, you so much. Um, and then finally, uh, we will turn to our final guest, last but certainly not least, uh, Lara. What have you been enjoying over the last couple of weeks? I've been reading Me by Elton John. So I am a bit late to the party. I know it came out a couple of years ago. And I actually tried to start reading it when it first came out, but couldn't really get into it at the time. Um, but I'm absolutely loving it this time around. It's almost like, you know, when you're listening to your friend tell a really good story, but you don't know the people involved. You're like, oh, that's so cool. But like, I wish I knew who those people were and it would make more sense or it would like resonate a bit more. It's like that, but you know who he's talking about because he's constantly name dropping all these other famous people from the 60s, 70s, 80s. And so it's really cool because it's like you get this insight to the the behind the scenes of, of the rock and roll world and the music pop culture world from um you know such big eras um so it's been it's been very interesting it's quite well written and it's um very engaging stories and it's a very um candid and self-aware reflection to you know he doesn't he's very upfront in accepting his tantrums and his reputations for being a diva and um, times he mistreated people and he's um, apologetic for past behaviours and he talks about all things behind the veil of that world. So, you know, the whole um, sex, drugs, rock and roll shebang, that's all in there. Um, so it's been really good. I'm really enjoying that. So I will take up the mantle for autobiography reader this week. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God. That would be such a fascinating read. Um, I have not had the, the chance to, to check out. Um, it this, is this really interesting. And he's constantly name dropping like different members of the Beatles and <laughs> Freddie Mercury and all these really cool people, David Bowie or, and you're like, whoa, like he just 
operated in these circles for years. Like they were just his, well, I mean, to this day, I guess, but they're his peers and they're his friends. And I'm like, that's so cool. Like they're just normal people. Uh, yeah, I suppose but, it would. Yeah. yeah. I suppose it would actually be quite su surprising hearing about these people who many regard as say, you know, like icons of their, yes. of, of the music and cultural world, uh, just, oh yeah, they're just normal people. You do realise that, right? Yeah. It's like producing fantastic, <laughs> incredible music and like, yeah, they're just normal people who have normal lives. Yeah. And um, especially like hearing, some of them have been notoriously so private over the years. So hearing a reflection from someone who's been like their equivalent in terms of fame or in terms of success or however you measure it, it's really interesting. Um, but yes, it's like hearing a friend tell a really good story and you know all the people involved. Love it. Would be my, yes, that's it's my review of me by Elton John. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, what have you been reading? What have I been reading? Oh my goodness, don't even get me started. So I, I'm still reading um, True Tracks um, by Terry Janke, uh, Dr. Terry Janke, which is this amazing book as part of research for my, uh, for my upcoming novel. Not, I'm, I'm not pushing it again. I did it last time and I got in trouble for it. I'm not pushing my, my, my book that isn't even finished again. Um, I'm also getting a hand on- I would be. Can I push it? Guys, <laughs> so Nick's writing a new book. It's going to be fantastic. Stop Watch it. this space. <laughs> Stop it. Go on bright red. Um, but I've also, uh, I'm also ordering a new book. I've, start, I've kind of got, been given a teaser of it, um, but firstly through recording a podcast uh, with these people, but also just from getting a, a teaser from it, which was a book by uh, the, 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 the team, the, the, the team behind, the, the, it's like a, a father-daughter team, they're psychologists, um, Dr. Ross and Rachel Menzies. And the book is Mortals, which is basically, it's a non-fiction book, but an examination of our society's relationship with death, which I think would be such a fascinating topic because a lot of people are terrified of the concept. I want to stay away from it with a barge pole, but um, wanting to actually are doing a very open and honest discussion about how, you know, thousands of years ago, people would celebrate death in, su in such an open and fantastic way as a normal part of life. And uh, but today we seem to have kind of gone down different paths and how there's a bit of an argument that the, that the effects of death and the fear of death actually can, uh, is a major contributing factor in terms of the of how we respond and treat other people in everyday life. Um, which I think is very interesting. Um, but I've also lastly oh, been. Yeah, I've lastly picked up a copy of uh, of Trent Dalton. I've got a copy of Trent Dalton's Love Stories delivered, so that's the next one that I'm reading. I've got so much stuff to pick up on. It's there's so many you books. Good things in your pile. Oh, there's so much stuff happening at the moment. It's a it's it's a good time for books, which is why you should head to Booktopia.com. No, <laughs> 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 um, thank you so much, Lara, um, for those amazing amazing book recommendations. Absolutely love it. Um, <clears throat> so before we head into the final section of the podcast, we in fact have a sponsor this week. We have a book sponsor. Um, it's a new edition of a classic, uh, which is coming out through Brio Books. The best spelling, the best selling rather, Huckstep investigates the murder of a charismatic woman who has fascinated Australians since she first appeared on national television to accuse New South Wales detectives of shooting her boyfriend in cold blood. Throughout her short life, Sally Ann Huckstep 
lived a very dangerous existence. And this brilliantly told true crime story by John Dale talks of a courageous woman who spoke out against corruption and murder. This is Huckstep, which is a brand new edition of this book, uh, which is our sponsored book for this episode of the Booktopia podcast. Get it at booktopia.com.au and uh, you will find links to that in the description below. All right, everyone, get your quiz hats on. It is time once again for Book Fight. <laughs> so now my unfortunate guests will have to battle it out in a battle for book supremacy, answering book trivia question after book trivia question. Um, but before we begin, I require a buzzer from every single one of you, and I will throw to you first. Uh, Sam, what's your buzzer? Be? I'm just trying to think about what my, what my buzzer should be. Um, <laughs> well, this, is, this is a tough one. This is a tough one. Uh, I'll just go. Can I just go my name, Sam? Sure. Why not? We've actually. You know what's funny? Sure. We've never actually had anyone put their own name as a buzzer to, as a buzz before. So let's do it. <laughs> um, Arthur, what should yours be? Okay. I'll go with green. Green, I like it. Very nice. And then lastly, Lara. Uh, in light of my book, I'm going to go with me. Oh, love it. Yes, love it. Yes, yes, yes. Can I just say for the record, I am nervous because when you started announcing it's time for book fight, Sam like got her hands ready and like posed <laughs> in. She's ready to play. <laughs> Look, I must say, we've had some very... She's ready to win. She's not just ready to play, she's ready to win. We've yeah. had some, some very intense editions of Book Fight over the last couple of weeks. So I'm, I'm, the, the intensity and the, and the office banter for, is getting stronger and stronger by the day for, for who holds the, the, the bragging rights to Book Fight. But uh, here's the chance for, for someone to, to potentially take that title or retain that title or get, keep the Ws up. Uh, without further ado... Let's dive into the first question. <clears throat> question one. Alice in Wonderland was written under the pen name of Lewis Carroll. What was the author's real name? Do we have any takers? <laughs> I know. It's a up until now, up until now, I thought that, that was the real name. <laughs> yes, that's the, this is the educational part coming in first. <laughs> Does anyone want to have a guess? I've got no idea. Anyone want to have a guess? I'll take Lewis a Jones. Sorry, Sam. Lewis Jones. <laughs> no, it is not Lewis Jones. But there is actually a called Lewis Jones. But no, it is not. Unfortunately, not Lewis Jones. Lara, Arthur, do you want to have a go? Sorry, I'm tapping out. Tapping out? Yeah, I've been. I could just say random names. <laughs> it actually is quite a it is quite a quite a normal name it's the answer is charles dodgson is the answer i nearly said charles but yeah, look if you'd said charles i would if you'd said charles i would have probably given it to you because it's because uh, it is a tough one but yeah lewis carroll is not lewis carroll it's the pen name for charles dodgson who is the writer of alice in wonderland there you go yeah the things you learn question two and this is for any Tolkien fans out there. How many Middle Earth works are there to have been written by J.R.R. Tolkien? Uh, me. Oh, I got a me. I got a me. Seven. No, no, nope. not seven, but you're, you're, you're relatively getting close. You're quite close. Um, Arthur, I heard a green after, straight afterwards. So Arthur, would you like to have a go? 
Uh, I believe there's five. No, it's not five. You're going the wrong way. <laughs> going the wrong way. Sam. Yep. Nine. Oh, you're so close. You're very close. Eight. Yep. Eight. We're just gonna keep guessing. No, it's not eight. It's not eight either. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I just <laughs> Sam. Yes. Ten. Ten is the answer. Yes. <laughs> Ten. <laughs> process of elimination. It was. It, <laughs> it was a process. It was a process of elimination. But you are, in fact, you are correct. It is. Into how many Middle Earth works were written by J.R.R. Tolkien? The answer is ten. Question three. Staying with that, we have a potential ten points up for grabs. Can you name them? And I'm going to suspend the buzzer for this one. So tell the me. Hobbit. The Hobbit is one. The Fellowship of the Ring, The Two Towers, The Return of the King, The and what, is that, and what is that series called? Lord of the Rings. The Lord of the Rings. Lord, Lord of the Rings is Rings. one, yes. Lord of the Rings is one. That's one for Arthur. The Silmarillion. The Silmarillion, yes. Um, <laughs> I, 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 yeah, you've got, you've got the easy, you've got the, you've got the famous ones out of the way. <laughs> um, there's another one, uh, Anyone want to have There's one about Gonzal, but I can't for the life oh. of me remember the full title. I, I will I'm, give. I'm I'll give that, that to you. I'll give that okay. to you. It's the thank Fall you. of Gondolin. I'll give that's that to you. It. Yes, thank you. There's, <laughs> there's another one that's like the tale of someone and someone. It's like two yes. characters' names in the title. Mm, there yes. is. There I, that, is. That was the other one I'm thinking of. And the children. Mm, mm. I don't, again, I'm lost at what the children of, but it sounds like there was the one children of, of Anduin. But is that is that, is that one the Christopher Tolkien ones? The Christopher Tolkien ones? Mm. No. So these are ones written by just J.R.R. Tolkien. There's a whole ah, bunch okay. of other stuff. I think done by the Christopher children Tolkien. one might have been a Christopher Tolkien one. So I'm not sure if that's eligible. But no, no, there is one that is the children of something that is one of yeah. the titles. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm blanking on that one. Can't think of it. Uh, does anyone want to have anyone want to have a uh, crack at potentially getting any more of these, or shall or we or have we? You've, you've done very well. I'm proud. I'm. I'm, I'm you, you have. You've had a good crack. No. No. Reveal the answers, please. Okay. So I would have accepted the Hobbit, which you got, the Lord of the Rings, which you also got, the Adventures of Tom Bombadil was one as well. Uh, the road goes ever on, which is actually a song, which was listed by as a oh. Tolkien as a Tolkien Middle Earth work. The Silmarillion, and these are all po uh, uh, all of the ones from here on are, are, uh, were published posthumously. The Silmarillion, Unfinished Tales, Bilbo's Last Song, The Children of Hurin, which is the one that uh, was oh. you were referring to, Baron and Luthien, which I'm hoping I'm pronouncing correctly, and then lastly, which Arthur got yep. correct, was The Fall of Gondolin. Those were the 10 works pub, uh, published by J.R.R. Tolkien. Well done, guys. Proud of that. That was great. <laughs> yeah, I think we did well. I think you did very well. Hmm. Qu <clears throat> Question four. The hero Beowulf faces a legendary monster. What is the monster's name? Sam. Sam? Oh. Yes? Um, hold on. Hold on, hold on, coming. <laughs> um, I was trying to be really smart and name like the the actress in it, for, who plays it in the in the Wolf of CGI movie. 
and now I can't remember her name. It, the answer, <laughs> it's Angelina Jolie, but that is not who, that's not who the monster is. Angelina Jolie. <laughs> it's not Angelina Jolie. Oh, is it a big wolf? It's not a big wolf, is not the name of, well, it's not, it's not a, <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> No, it is not. It is not Angelina Jolie's what character. What is the name movie. of the big wolf? What is the name? What is the name of the monster that 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 Beowulf faces? Does anyone want to have a go? Any any potential takers here? I don't know the name, but I always thought it was like a dragon or something. It's and like a, it, there is a dragon, but it's like this kind of it's like a twisted monster creature. It's like a very hideous, horrifying monster creature. That uh, mm. that he faces. No, it's like in the no. movie, it's kind of like nearly like midway to halfway he faces and defeats this monster. Any takers? Sam. Yep. Is it a wyvern? It is. I think that's the name of the creature, but it has a it has it has a, actually has a name. Um, you, let me see what if it is a wyvern or not. I mean, the. Well, These are hard questions. Uh, this These are here. hard questions. <laughs> it's a very, it's, a, it's, look, it's a very, it's a, no, it's not a wyvern. It isn't not, it is, is unfortunately not a wyvern. Okay. Um, do we, do we give up for this one? Yeah, yeah I do at least. It, it, <laughs> it's a very, yeah, the, I'm curious. The answer like, of the monster's name was Grendel is the name of the creature who Bay Oh, Wolf yes. Yeah. Is the name of the creature who Bay yeah. defeats. <clears throat> Um, don't worry though, there are, there are a couple of easier questions coming up and we have just crossed the halfway point of book fight. So currently Sam and Arthur are equal on two points each. Lara is on one. Oh, I'm not behind as much as I thought I was. You're doing very well. You're doing very well. <laughs> Question five. Who is the romantic love interest of Arthur Dent in Douglas Adams' book series, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? Have we got any Hitchhikers fans here? <laughs> Sam. <laughs> I can see you, I can see you're just thinking intently. Yes. Yeah, it's like the comms are Can going. you repeat the question? Who is the romantic love interest of Arthur Dent in Douglas Adams' book series, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? Yeah, no idea. Sorry, it's been too long since I read that book. <laughs> it, I'll give you a clue. It's named after a train station she's named after a train station a famous train station which is which is kind of the joke um grand central king's cross Cross? (laughs) no it's not king's cross uh no it's do we have any takers anyone want to have a go is it one of the Monopoly train stations by any chance yes it actually is one of the Monopoly train stations Are you going to go through the entire Monopoly board? Yeah. <laughs> no, the, the answer I would have accepted was Fenchurch was her oh. name. Fenchurch, who is so it's named after Fenchurch Station, and she appears in the fourth book, So Long and Thanks for All the Fish. Um, I, don't, I don't want to criticise you here, but I think you need more exposure to train stations. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I need to get I need to get on the train on the train on the train making band the train station and train collection. <laughs> I've got the time to now. Why not? <laughs> but speaking with the topic of trains, question six: Who is the author of the girl on the train? Oh, oh uh, Paula Hawkins. 
I mean, I would I would have asked for your buzzer first, but oh, okay. Yes, yes. <laughs> out the window. This round is Green. too hard. Green. Green. Yes, <laughs> the answer is is Paul Hawkins. Well done, Arthur. <laughs> Um, and that brings us to our final question. It is a very close game so far. Um, and just for a bit of fun, because we, we, if, I, if we could potentially have a tiebreaker here, I'm going to make this question worth two points. So uh, currently, uh, Sam is on two points. Arthur is on three. And Lara is on one. Our final question for this week's book fight is, who is the winner of the 2021 Women's Prize for Fiction? Sam. Sam, we have a <laughs> Sam. Susanna Clark. Susanna Clark is the answer for Piranesi. Yes, it is. Well done, Sam. And uh, that's two points for you. I feel like I just got handed that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Trying to get on my good side, are you? <laughs> I mean... It, Everyone else was in the podcast. They could have said it first. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> they, it's a, it, actually, no, that's a good point. It's, it, it's, it's, yeah. a question, it's always the question of who was listening at the start of the podcast. I love that, that, that Lara just like went, oh, gosh. Like, went I was crazy. like, it's right there. Like, I just heard it. <laughs> yeah, and yet I forgot. Yes, we forgot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, look, snatched away. Yes, it's, it's, look, if it makes you feel any better, whenever I've been doing book fight, I always am like, oh, it's the, it, I know that one, but then someone else beats me to it. It, it always happens. That's why I've only ever won this like once or twice or whatever. But that brings us to the end of book fight and look at the scores. My goodness gracious me, Lara, you finished with a respectable one point. I'm proud of you. Um, Arthur, you finished with three points and then Sam took the win with that final question with four points. Well done, everyone. Great work. Um, <laughs> I love it. I think nice. that was my best performance yet. <laughs> you did very well. I think everyone did, did you, very well. You did great, Arthur. At the end of the day, maybe well books were the winner all along. <laughs> oh my God. I'll see myself out now. That was terrible. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, I'll, but before I see myself out, um, I will finish out with our little outro. But thank you so much to to all of you guys. That brings us to the end of the Weekend Booktopian for another week. Um, be sure to check out all of the books that we have mentioned today down in the description box. The Weekend Booktopian was produced by myself, Nick Wasiliev, and you can check out hundreds of episodes on our Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud channels, including our most recent interview with Jay Kristoff, author of Empire of the Vampire. Also, be sure to check out Booktopia TV on YouTube, or if you cannot get enough of chatting to authors, head to the Booktopian blog, curated by Olivia Frico, where you can read articles that are pushed every single day, including our review of Sally Rooney's Beautiful World, Where Are You? Thanks for listening, and never stop reading. Thank you for listening to the Booktopia podcast channel, don't forget, you can subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes for free and get access to hundreds of author discussions, book analysis pieces and more. Or, if your eyes need a workout, head to Booktopia TV on YouTube. Don't forget, for all books featured in this podcast and for access to a whole bunch of other fun content on our blog, head to Booktopia, Australia's local bookstore at booktopia.com dot au